Today's episode of the Doctors of Running podcast is sponsored by Inside Tracker. Here at Doctors of Running, we're always interested in more information about our bodies to help do what it takes to be as strong and healthy as possible. Inside Tracker helps us take one step closer to that goal with a personalized approach to health and longevity by providing highly specific, performance-focused blood work analysis. One of the things we love most is that they give you clear, simple recommendations on things you can control to optimize your health. Things like changes in diet, supplements, workouts, and other lifestyle choices. So if you're ready to get a crystal clear picture of what's going on inside your body, along with science-backed recommendations to optimize what's not working, then visit Inside Tracker today. For a limited time, you can get 20% off your entire Inside Tracker order when you sign up using insidetracker.com slash doctors of running. That's insidetracker.com slash doctors of running. Welcome to the Doctors of Running podcast, where we, a group of doctors of physical therapy, discuss the art and the science of the stuff that we're putting on our feet. Today, we've got me, Andrea Myers, and Megan Flynn here, and we're going to talk about our 2022 racing and training, what we learned from it, and what we're going to do differently or the same in 2023. Thanks so much for joining me, Megan. Of course. I was looking forward so- to this. Yeah, I love doing our episodes together. So I thought we'd start out first just talking about why it's important to reflect on past racing seasons and maybe some different strategies that people use for reflection. So like I know the main way that I reflect is I put a lot of notes like in Training Peaks, which is the uh, training app that I use. My coach can read it. I can look back and read things. And it, the sooner I write down my thoughts about a race or a workout, the better I can learn from it. Because even a few days later, you kind of forget all the details, right? Um, yeah, that's true. So how do you, what methods do you use to help you reflect on your racing? So I, the main thing that I use to reflect is journaling. Like I keep a training log and I write down like just the basic notes of how the workout went, how the race went, anything like that. Um, but I also have like a separate notebook that I write down very detailed about what I was feeling, thinking. And like you said, I like to do that right after the race, after the workout. Cause I mean, let's be honest, like during the race, you're probably in like a lot more pain than you care to admit, like a week down the line. Exactly. But then when you look back on your journal and you see, oh yeah, that's right. That really, that really was uncomfortable. I find that to be like pretty important. Yeah, definitely. Like what you said right after the race. Yeah, it's like human nature to forget about really painful things that you go through. So yeah, if you don't write it down right afterwards, you will forget a lot of things that you experienced. And often those are the things that you need to learn the most from. Right. Especially I find after like if it's a PR race, like it's a PR, you're you're uncomfortable at some point, right. but because you end and you finish with this with like a huge positive um, at a huge positive point you're more less inclined to remember, oh yeah, that was really uncomfortable because mm-hmm. it's something I've never done before. Right. <laughs> but then next time you toe the line and you think, oh, it was all great, you're not expecting or remembering that uh, the discomfort that it took to get there. Yeah, that's a good point. Like when you have a really good race, like PR, you had a good result, you tend to forget the negative things. And like you mm-hmm. look back at that race and you think, oh, I did everything perfectly. But you might not have, and there could have been things that you could learn from that race, even though it went really well. Okay, well, Mm -hmm. what can I take 
even maybe the few negatives that happen and be even better next time. Yeah. Like say you had like a, like, I mean, a moment of doubt or something Mm -hmm. during a PR race. Like, yeah, you could probably have improved that by not letting that negative thought slip in. But the only way you're going to really remember that is the, is journaling, I think. But right. Definitely. That's what works for me. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, let's say you had like in a marathon, let's say you had a few miles where you just wanted to quit. Like you were so miserable, but then like you figure out a strategy to get yourself out of that. Like that's great. Write it down and like write down what got you out of that pattern, because that's, what's going to help you in the next race too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I know one runner who not only does she journal, she also like draws in her journal and it's so, she, post photos of like her completed journals and it's so cool to see like just how <laughs> creative and artistic she is um that's such a good idea i know <laughs> my if i ever tried to do any drawings like that no i wouldn't even know what no <laughs> i'm it, not good at it would, it would be, be like artistic. stick people yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that would be that's my limit <laughs> yeah <laughs> another person i know does a really cool thing and i'm sure there's a lot of people out there who do this but they take their race numbers and they write down their like journal or like race report to themselves on the back and then they save those yeah and yeah i think that's really good yeah Yeah, because then it's like you've kind of got this tangible thing from the race and you know you can like put in a scrapbook or put on your wall or whatever but then like you can read like your written words again like reading something in your own handwriting i think is more meaningful than reading something that you typed right um, yeah, and it, that's, and you're, I mean, I don't know about you. I keep all my bibs, my race bibs anyway. Yeah, so me too. <laughs> I like that idea. Yeah. <laughs> I might switch to that. <laughs> Excellent. But yeah. I think like reflecting on a race workout, just anything throughout training. I think that's important for like any runner, any athlete really to grow and progress. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Because the only way to get better is to learn And Mm -hmm. what we did last year, if we do the same thing over and over, we're not going to get different results, right? Like we have to change to improve. And that could be changing your training method. It could be training, changing mental training strategies. It could be changing nutrition strategies. But the only way to figure out what maybe you should try changing is to look back and reflect on what worked, what didn't, what could maybe be better for sure. So I'll go into um, ask our subjective for today. Um, and then we'll dive into what both Andrew and myself learned from our racing um, in 2022. So what did you learn from your training and racing in 2022? And what will you do differently in 2023? Um, you can leave uh, your answers in the comment section below. Um, and then we'll, we'll dive into our, uh, our races. Yeah. So Megan, um, you had kind of a different 2022 than the other seasons. You became a multi-sport athlete and you discovered a love of cycling, but you still had like a really, you had some successful races and I know you learned a lot from what you uh, went through last year. So tell us how 2022 started for you. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> 2022 was definitely a lot different than 2021. Um, 2021 was a big jump in training for me, uh, a lot of PRs and, um, 
it was fantastic year. Um, then coming off of like all of that, not taking like all the like rest period and needed and all of that, it came back and taught me a few things from there. Um, but yeah, like you said, I didn't, I was not expecting to become as into like biking, swimming or anything. Like if you asked me, like, honestly, like months ago, years ago, and you said like, you'd be biking as much as I'm biking like now. I would have laughed at you because I used to hate, the, I hated the trainer so much, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so last or sorry, I guess it was two years ago. Um, I did a CIM 2021. Uh, it was my most intense training block, highest volume, highest intensity that I've done. And I felt great during it, but it definitely took a toll. I mean, it's just a lot of time for one, like the met, like not, just the physical aspect of marathon training, like everyone knows there's a huge mental part to it too. You put a lot into it. So after that, I was ready for a break and I did not take the appropriate amount of time to rest, which I know now looking back and it was probably like, I'm glad I stopped training as much as I had been because I think I was like teetering on the line of like close to a burnout. Cause it was just a lot. Everyone needs a break. Um, so I didn't take that time and my workouts were still going all right. I felt a little sluggish, but I was like, okay, like that's part of training. Um, and then I did a four miler in Central Park in February, like two months. No, yeah, two months after CIM. And it was horrible. <laughs> I was like, I feel like, you know, at the start of the race, it always feels a little bit harder and then you like settle in. I never settled in and I looked at my watch and I was like, what is going on? This is slower than I ran in the marathon at, por- at points, like what's happening. So after that, I ended up just kind of like telling myself, okay, regardless of like what my coach at the time was telling me, I'm going to, I'm going to back off because yeah, <laughs> this isn't even like, that wasn't fun. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've had any any experiences like that, but oh, for I'm sure. sure everyone's been there. Yes, both in cycling and running. Yeah. Yeah. You're oh, yeah. eventually your body makes you stop if you don't yeah. stop on your own. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Well, fortunately at that point, like I hadn't pushed through as much to like lead myself to an injury, at least not yet. Um, but anyway, yeah. So that was my sign that my body was exhausted and just needed a rest. Yeah. So how much um, so time did that, you take? Um, I probably, I'd say probably like two, three months even of just like, like I didn't really stop running. I just kind of backed off of workouts. I didn't do workouts for a while. Um, I didn't do long runs. I just kind of like when I went out to run, I was just running like for me and like just for fun, like just not putting any stress, pressure on the workouts or anything. So that was fun. I enjoyed that. And then I got to the point that I really missed the harder runs yeah. <laughs> and I was starting to get, um, I know we probably have talked about this, but like you like start to fall into that moderate intensity and every run I was going out, I was ending at like a progression. Like I was doing a progression run every day. I was like, all right, it's time to start adding back some higher intensity days so I can keep these intense, the easier days easy and not end up injured. Um, (laughs) so I started like building, I was coaching myself at the time and I was like, okay, let me, this was the first time I was really coaching myself too. 
let me just like write down my weekly plan and then I'll execute it and then I'll see how I feel and make my next week, um, which worked for a little bit. And then I know for myself now, I'm not great at coaching myself. I love to coach other people, but coaching myself, I think is one of the biggest challenges for me. Um, cause I was like, Oh, it's not enough or I'm doing too much and mm-hmm. going back and forth. Like there was nothing in between those extremes. Right. So, um, I ended up reaching out to an old teammate of mine who's also, she's, um, she's an elite runner. Um, and I was like, can you like, uh, she doesn't really compete as much anymore. Um, but I was like, can you help me just come up with a plan? Like maybe we can collaborate and go from there. So we started working together. Um, I did a 5k in June. This is my first race back after this like break. Um, and I was like, let me just see where I'm at. Like, I was like, let's see, like if I can get anywhere near what I was running last year. And I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) And it was, I mean, it was that first like rust buster, um, that you pretty much have every season. Anytime you take a break after any injury, like that first race, it's going to hurt and it's probably not going to go well. unfortunately. Um, but so I went into it, I was a little upset with the result, but then I was like, wow, I really, I missed this. Mm -hmm. Like I missed this competition. Um, (laughs) so I was like, okay, let's like, let's really get back into it. Let's focus on the next thing and like really work toward the big goal at the end of the year, which was CIM. Um, I think a week after that, I ended up, um, with an injury that ended up like, I mean, it still bugs me to this day, but, um, like the next week I went to do a workout and I had this like sharp pain in my hip. I was like, Oh no, I tried to ignore it. (laughs) It didn't go away. (laughs) Um, but so then that brings into, I think for me, the biggest takeaway from 2022, like normally anytime, like something, any, any injury really, or anything that holds me back in my running training, it's usually very, very negative for me. So instead of that this time, um, my boyfriend introduced me to cycling. He was like, let's, you know what? I, I tried a, a running workout and I got the sharp pain like four times. I was like, I'm done. I called him to come pick me up. I was like, I'll just go to the gym and do the workout on, a, on the bike. Fine. I hate the indoor trainer, but whatever. <laughs> so he was like, no, we're going to a cycle shop and we're going to get you a bike. <laughs> Because it was like July. Nobody wants to be inside on a bike in July. Like, you want to be outside. So we bought a bike that day. We went out and then just did a lot of biking, swimming for like for a few months. Um, and I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I ended up when I started running again, I think it was like end of August. So I stopped running in end of June started running again end of August. Um, but in that time I had been biking so much and, you know, I mean, you know, of all people like you can get in really, really good shape, just cycling and your legs get very strong. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but, uh, yeah. So during that time I was like, you know what, let me like, I'm making the most of it. I'm biking more than ever. I'm swimming more than I ever have let's sign up for a triathlon and pray that I can run by then. <laughs> and if not, then, oh, well, there's, I don't remember how much it was, but I was like, you know what? It's worth it. it gives me something to shoot for, for now. So, um, that 
was in September. Um, uh, I did a sprint triathlon. Um, and, um, I, I remember that being like, there's no, like you, you're getting into the competition, but there's zero, like I didn't put any pressure on myself. It was my first one. I've never competed in a swim event, a bike event, or I've never run coming off of a bike. Right. So I was like, whatever, yeah. <laughs> let's just, let's have fun. Yeah, dive this in. is going to be awesome. <laughs> but what's that? Just dive in. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, which it's funny you say that. So at the start of the swim, I had been told run in as far as you can and then start swimming. Mm-hmm. Everyone else dove in. <laughs> so then here I am like trying to run through these people kicking and all that. But the swim was definitely, uh, interesting mm-hmm. for me. <laughs> That's like, I mean, they swim in the pool. You swim, like you train, like at least I trained by myself in the pool you're not ready for, or I wasn't ready for open water swimming with hundreds of people around mm-hmm. and not being able to see. Yes. <laughs> I think I remember at, at one point I was like, I, I just stopped. I was like completely vertical with people were like kicking and like, you know, and I was like, I'm going to make it. <laughs> and I was like, you know, it's only like a five, 10 minute swim in a sprint. Yeah. Just get there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so then, um, so when I got out of the water, my mindset was like, oh, um, the swim is like the only one that really like requires your arms. So I'll just use like, I'll just like fatigue my arms out. And I remember getting out of the water and being shocked how tired my legs were. I don't know. Have you, have you experienced that? (laughs) Well, um, I've, the only triathlon I've done was as a child, so I don't really remember mm-hmm. that. But I was a swimmer um, when I was younger, so I definitely know how tired your legs get swimming. And then I was so surprised. Yeah, and then you get on the bike, and you're like, "Oh no!" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, "Oh my gosh, I have to do this in a run." Right. <laughs> we had the run from the water to the bike. Mm-hmm. My legs felt so heavy. Yeah, it's like this is. This is fun. <laughs> what a great idea, Megan. So <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was um, after that uh, that race. That was the first harder run I had done since since the um, the injury started. So I think that for me was a big test of are my legs ready to get back to running? And yeah, I tested them after probably my hardest bike ride ever. And it was fine. That's great. It was a nice um, uh, reminder of how much, like, I don't want to say fitness was lost, but, like, getting your running legs back. Yes. Like, how much that takes, like, coming off, like, from biking a ton to just going back to running and finding your legs and getting used to, like, what a tempo is and and all that. So during, um, it was a three-miler at the end, not a 5K. And I went through the first mile. I was like, oh, I'm flying. And it was like my old or like close to my old tempo pace. Uh-huh. I was like, okay, yeah. well, I'm not in pain. So this is good. Perfect. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so after that, I think a big takeaway from that whole section of the year for me, like I had said, was like cross training can do a lot more than you're giving it a chance to do. Like it can really complement your training and get you stronger than than you could with just running 
and it works different muscles. I mean, swimming's great, core, upper body, all of that. So after the try, I was like, okay, let's see what I can do. I think CIM was like eight or nine weeks away. And my longest run was like three months. Yes. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, let's see. Yeah. Let's try to make it to the start line and then we'll make it to the finish line and we'll go from there. And anything in between is sure. Um, so I was like, all right, I have to probably find a half marathon or something to just like at least see where I am halfway through training and get back into that longer racing mentality. Cause it had been, I mean, if I hadn't done that, it would be like a year since the previous, uh, longer race, which was CIM in 2021. So I signed up for Princeton half marathon. Um, I was between, I was between that one. And then there was another, uh, by the beach. I was like, Oh, that'd be good. It's flat. Um, I ended up picking Princeton because <laughs> we had just adopted a puppy and I wanted him to be there. <laughs> That's a very good reason. So, I know. <laughs> I was like, I want him to be there, and I don't want to have to, like, I don't know, leave him in the crate all the time. So, yeah, I ended up going with Princeton. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that course is it's known for being really hilly, which then I was thinking more. I was like, that might be good because this whole training cycle is going to be all about effort. So instead of, like, what I had been doing, like, in 2021 is – I have these strict paces that I have to hit and I would hold myself to that regardless of how I was feeling. Like I like to think I can like go based off of effort, but not having a pace goal in mind during any workout and just going off of like how you're feeling like during like my long run workouts, I'd ask myself, can you realistically hold this for 26 miles? And if the answer was no, then I'd back off mm-hmm. regardless of like, okay, it feels easy, but like, I know I'm not going to hold this for 26 miles. Cause with marathon training as a lot, as, as you know, like it's, you're never really redlining in training in any, any of those marathon pace runs, you should feel comfortably uncomfortable, yeah. I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Princeton came around um, and I remember not really being like with this one, I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily like nervous for it. Like I usually get before races. Um, I think it was because I was more like excited about just getting back into that race, like getting back into the racing community and just getting like used to that again. Um, but yeah, so, and also not expecting a PR also took pressure off. Like I knew I wasn't none of my workouts had indicated I was anywhere near running a PR. So I was like, okay, let's just see what I can do. Negative split would be great. Um, and just have fun. Um, there's actually, my boyfriend has a video, like they were at a few points of the, uh, of the race and, um, he had the, he had our dog Chogi. <laughs> um, yes. Named after Elliot. Yes, that's awesome. Um, and I actually like went over to the side and like pet him. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And I feel like I had lost that like fun aspect of it during the 2021. Like, yeah, I enjoyed it. It's ever who doesn't like PRing, but like l- not losing sight of like the pure joy of running and training. Um, so that was a big thing for Princeton. Like I was way off the of PR, but I was so happy after. Yeah. <laughs> like that was I had a blast. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, so after that, I think it was like, 
uh, probably four weeks away from CIM, if I had to guess. Um, I signed up for a turkey trot. It was like a small, like local one. Well, it was. It actually ended up being pretty big, but it was a local one that I had gone to last year to watch. I was like, oh, with my family, and it's like, oh, this would have been so much fun. But at that time, I was ten days away from CIM in 2021 and I was afraid that like, cause I knew I was like teetering on the edge of too much. I was afraid if I threw in like a 5k, I'd tear my hamstring or like something would break. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't do it on 2021. I was looking forward to it in 2022. So like, let's see what I can do. And this was like, um, again, like 10 days before CIM, um, this, this past year. And, it was like probably the best thing that could have happened in my training. It just gave me like a confidence boost yep. and it showed me like, okay, you're, you're in better running shape than like you thought, or at least you had more speed than you thought. So I ended up being pretty close to a 5k PR in, awesome. on the roads at least. Wow. Um, I think it ended up being a three miler because they had, there was like construction on the course um, but I think converted, I was probably like 10 seconds off a road PR, which to me was like, what? Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> um, especially at the a, end of marathon training. Yeah, that's, yeah, it was, uh, a nice confidence boost that I think was needed before CIM. Um, but yeah, uh, so then CIM rolls around, um, and I was just happy to get to the starting line and I hadn't had any pain since I started running. Um, so probably since like, uh, honestly, probably since like July was the last time I had felt any uh, discomfort. So that was like going back to the journaling that we had talked about. I journaled so much during this training block, mm-hmm. like just like reminding myself how I felt during this. Like if they're like just being grateful, like writing down, like I'm just gr- glad I can run and blah, blah, blah. Like all of that and going back to um, like reading that before CIM. Um, so let's see, CIM was like, it was a pretty amazing experience for me, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like going into it, knowing like, again, like knowing my workouts weren't indicating I was ready to PR, but my goal was let me just run a respectable race in like, in my eyes, like don't crash and burn. (laughs) was number one <laughs> finish. Well, actually, sorry. Finish was number one. Don't crash and burn was number two. Um, and then see if I could get under, um, I, I set like a few different time goals that I didn't really want, like to be my primary focus there. So I was like, let's just get under three fifteen. Then let's say three ten, three, And then if it's an amazing day and I find myself near a PR, sure. <laughs> um, but that race was a big, uh, mental, uh, mental battle for me. I think it was like more of like, yeah, physically it hurt cause it's a marathon, but the mental part of it really played a big part. Um, and I think that like the mental training aspect of it, I think is the big, my big takeaway from CIM. Um, so leading up to it, knowing that I wasn't where I wanted to be physically, like looking back a year ago at CIM 2022, I had a much different vision of it before the whole year. So taking that and throwing that away, um, and then revisiting like 
why am I doing this? You're not doing this like just for the times. You're not doing this for anything. It's why are you doing this? So I had that written down. Um, I wrote like one word on my arm that just kind of like reminded me. So if I did forget Mm -hmm. during the race, I had that right there. Um, I use like every mental strategy mantra, any distraction I could during the race. Um, anyone that I saw on the sidelines, like even if I knew them or not, I would just like yell back at them. I saw like a few Vishlas at, which is the kind of dog, uh, we got, I saw a few Vishlas on the side mm-hmm. that I like kind of reached over and, <laughs> but anything to like distract myself. Yeah. And then, uh, it really became important mile and it was around mile 18, that injury came back and I had like that one instance of like, Oh my, like, it's just like a quick, like a quick, sharp pain. I was like, okay, it is what it is. I'm in the race. I'm here. I'm not going to not finish. So I stopped a few times in the last 10 K and just did some of my PT exercises. Uh Um, and then the last like five K, maybe a little less than five K. I just like, stopped carrying how it felt. I was like, you're going to finish this. Mm-hmm. So don't stop anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I remember crossing the line and just being like ecstatic with the result. Like I was again, nowhere near a PR, but just very proud. And I think that was like, a like nice culmination of 2022 for me. Like just be proud of and happy where you are mm-hmm. and like, enjoy it. Yeah. I think that was my, my biggest thing, but um, but yeah, that was my last race of 2022. Um, and I think just to sum up, you know, that was like a lot. <laughs> um, I think the biggest thing is listen to your body, regardless of what any coach is telling you, you know, your body best. Don't ignore it when it's telling you that you need a break. Um, I think if I had taken a break, my 2022 might've looked different, but I also think I needed a year like 2022. Um, in terms of like the cross training. Um, and that brings like another lesson, incorporate the cross training into your, um, into your training. It can be a huge, huge help. And I think, I don't think CIM would have gone anywhere near as well, or I don't even know if I would have made it to CIM if I hadn't started with the cross training, um, and keep an open mind. Uh, I, like I said, I used to hate, hate biking and now I love it. I've biked every day for the last like month month and a half but (laughs) but yeah and then yeah i mean kind of opened my eyes to like a new world for me like triathlons like at some point in in the future but yeah Yeah. that was my 2022 (laughs) i think that's a really good point megan about cross training runners i think more than maybe other disciplines get really caught up in mileage like we think that our miles per week is like the one thing that sums up like how hard we're training or how serious we are or how fast we are. And that's not really the case. There is correlation, of course, between like weekly mileage and performance, but some people do better with a little lower weekly mileage and maybe one or two days of cross training thrown in. And some people do really well with high mileage and no cross training. But A lot of people, like you found, adding in that cross-training actually made you stronger. Like, you probably Mm -hmm. noticed, like, you were a lot stronger on hills running. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
it gives you the ability to recruit your muscle fibers a little bit differently. It just gives you more of a reserve, I think. Um, so yeah. don't, I, I hundred percent agree. Don't be afraid to cross train. Don't be afraid to bike one or two days a week instead of doing, you know, six or seven days of running, because you might actually find it makes you a better runner than you are when you're just running for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't think, I mean, I used to do like double runs two times a week in 2021. Mm. I don't know, like I'm saying this now, I don't know, but I don't know if I'd ever do another run double. Mm -hmm. I think if I started double workouts again, I would do a run, one run Mm -hmm. and then bike instead of run again. Cause it's so much easier on your body too. Absolutely. Recovery is so much quicker and you get the same benefits. Like, it's great. Yeah. yeah, I like I find the bike to be like my magic wand for like muscle soreness or fatigue. Like I could be so sore from a race or like a hard workout mm-hmm. and I do like 30 minutes really easy on the bike and I get off and I feel like a new person. And I mean, yeah. like <laughs> the intensity that I did is like the equivalent of going for a walk. But because yeah. you're on the bike and putting so little impact through your muscles and your joints, it's just so much better for recovery than going for a super slow run. Yeah, I 100% agree. <laughs> so it's a lot about my 2022. <laughs> now let's get to uh, your 2022, Andrea. Well, I had um, 2022 was definitely a year of change for me, too. I also ended up switching coaches. Um, so I had basically, for those who don't know my background, I have ran all of my life since I was a little kid. And then I got injured in college and took up cycling just as a way of cross training. And that led me to racing professionally as a road cyclist for a while. And I took several years off of running just to focus on cycling. And then, you know, as the years went on, I kind of, it was hard to find things that motivated me with cycling. So like I took up mountain biking, I started uh, doing more like hill climbing, like I did the race at Mount Washington a few times, and that gave me like a new goal to work towards. But I just got to the point where it was like, I don't want to train 15 hours a week for the same old thing anymore. So I started running a little bit more each year, like I've got a bunch of triathlete friends who would you know, sneakily invite me on their runs. And suddenly I found myself doing like 12 or 13 mile runs with them. They knew what they were doing. (laughs) Um, So basically I, you know, over probably like the past, I don't know, six years, I've been gradually increasing my running. And in 2021, I decided I was actually ready to run another marathon. So I got a coach and you know, her method worked for me. Like I, I had an awesome race, like much faster than I ever thought possible. But after that race, just the, the type of training she had me do didn't work for me. Like it was too dissimilar to what worked for me on the bike. I really needed to spend a lot of time building my threshold before doing a lot of like anaerobic work. And I was kind of doing the opposite with her. And it was like, 
it was making me peak way too early. And then I just felt like really burnt out like way too soon in the season. Has that ever happened to you, Megan, with training where like you do too much speed work too early and then you're just like you, you know, get really high on your uh, fitness and then like crash and burn and you feel super burnout. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like the first like like you feel great within like the first three to four weeks of training Mm -hmm. and then it all catches up to you. Right. And yeah. yeah. And like you're, and then it's just, you're too far behind. Yeah. Your peak is lower than what it would have been if you spent more time doing like threshold ish work and then like capping it off with more speed work as you got closer to race season. And so I just, you know, I wasn't even running that high of mileage and I just felt tired all the time. My races weren't going well. So at the same time, I had also quit my clinic job and like went all in on starting my own business. So it was just, it was all time for a change. So I uh, found like a base training plan written by a coach um, that I did like in the fall and the beginning of the winter in 21. And it was like exactly how I trained on the bike. I was like, wow, I feel this feels so natural. And like the mileage was higher already than what I had been doing in the middle of my season. It's like, this is what I need. And I think that's one of the best lessons that I got out of 2022 is it's so important to listen to your body and like your body will tell you if something is working for you or if it's not. And just because like one training method works well for your friend doesn't mean that it's going to work well for you who might have slightly different muscle physiology. Maybe you're more of like a slow twitch type runner or you're more of a fast twitch type runner. Everybody responds differently to different training. So it's really important to figure out what works for you and then stick with it. So I, uh, after doing this base training plan, I contacted this coach and I said, Hey, I really love this training plan. Will you actually coach me? And fortunately he said, yes. Um, so I mean, by the end of January, I think I was doing like around 60 miles a week, which was like the highest mileage I had done ever, you know, leading into my 2021 marathon. But again, like just felt like a totally different athlete because the type of training I was doing was different. It was a lot of threshold, like short threshold efforts too, like nothing longer than a mile, but a lot of it with like short rest. And I think that's key too. Like I definitely am more of a fast twitch type athlete. So if you give me long recoveries, it's going to let me kind of cheat and like push a little too hard, but because I can recover, I'm basically always over overtraining. But if you do you know, medium length efforts with short rest, it really keeps you honest because you're not getting full recovery between repeats. Um, So I like by January, I was like, this is amazing. I feel, you know, the best I have in years. I feel the way I did when I was in the middle of bike training. You know, I don't feel beat down and burn out like I did in 2021. So I started thinking about like, what I wanted to do for the year. And I definitely wanted to do a marathon. But for me, last year at least, uh, the idea of training through the winter for a spring marathon did not sound very appealing. So I decided I was going to do a fall one. So 
my idea was I'm just going to build like spring and summer, get as fit as I can, do some shorter races, you know, recover and then build back up for a fall marathon. So, uh, I did like a, several like little tune-up races in February and March, um, like a seven and a half mile race around a lake. That was my first race at like the end of February, and it was probably like thirty degrees out and super windy. You know, like the type of race that you know you're not going to have like a PR race, but you're just there to get a race under your belt and you know get it done. And same thing, like just shaking out the cobwebs. Um, figuring out, well, what is my actual race pace, right? Like I've been doing all this training, but how is that going to translate to racing? And, you know, I pleasantly surprised myself with the pace that I ended up doing. It was a little faster than what I thought I was going to do. And, you know, that's all you can really hope for with your first race of the year. Um, so I did a second race the following weekend that was just like a five miler that had a few hills. It was a really small race. So I ended up basically by myself the whole time, but same thing, like, because you, as you're building your fitness, you don't really know like what you're capable of, right? Like you have to go off of effort. And that's how I raced on the bike. Like in cycling, we have power meters that, really help us dial in our effort. But I really don't like racing looking at my power meter because it's just, it's too much information for me. Like I always preferred to race based on feel rather than like hitting a number because let's say you're in the middle of a race and you look down and your power is lower than you expected, but you're dying. Like that doesn't help you. It just makes you feel worse about yourself. And if you're in the middle of a race and you look down and your power is higher than you're expected and you feel good, well, you're not going to slow down. You're just going to keep going because you feel good and it feels appropriate. So in running, you know, yeah, we have the stride power meter. I tried that and I can't say I really felt like it was anywhere near as useful as a cycling power meter just because it's measuring two totally different things. Um, in running, we really have to learn to listen to our bodies and like run by effort, which is what you talked about. Like you spent all last year running by effort because these goal paces that our coaches give us or training plans give us, they're based on like racing in an ideal conditions, meaning like no wind, temperature around 50, no hills. And I've never done a race like that. I don't know about you. Nope. So maybe an indoor track. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but never outdoors. No. Yeah. So, you know, even, even with running, so many people take like their goal paces as gospel and like get upset if they're like two seconds per mile off. But pace, your body doesn't know pace. Your body knows effort. And Sometimes your pace is going to be a little faster than you expect. Sometimes it's going to be a little slower. But the more you can just learn to trust your body and race by feel and train by feel, actually, rather than like just being dependent on what your watch tells you, the better a racer you're going to be for many reasons. One, your watch isn't always accurate, right? Like, 
one of my friends watches during a marathon, you know, suddenly said she was doing like 15 minute miles and she definitely wasn't. And it did that for, I think the last five miles of the race for her. So she just had to run based on what she thought marathon pace was. Guess what? She ended up with like a five minute PR in the marathon. So sometimes we can't just rely on our watches, right? We've got to learn how to rely on ourselves. So um, this five mile race definitely helped me like get back into the feeling of, okay, what just what's the fastest I can go and make it to the finish line without dying or like with dying at the finish line. And it was, you know, a good race. I won the women's race. It was small, you know, nothing, definitely not a big race, but it, it gave me a lot of confidence that my training was working, that I was on the right track. And I didn't really have races like that the year before, after the marathon, I just felt like I was getting tired and slower. So like those first two races of 22, definitely like gave me a ton of confidence that my training was right. I was on the right track. I could see that my fitness had already like tremendously improved in a few months. So I was really excited to like keep training and racing, Um, which of course led me to the like big goal I had in the spring, which was a half marathon in April. I got a cold the week before the race. So I, you know, I know a lot of people would race with a cold, but I've done so many bike races sick or injured. And like, I just, I'm kind of done like torturing myself in that sense. And like, I didn't want to have bronchitis for two weeks if I did a half marathon sick, you know, I didn't, I wanted to be able to, keep running and training. So I just, I was like, it's not worth it. There are so many more races to do. So I deferred that race. And, you know, one of the things I really love about my coach is he's like, remember, your health is the most important thing. And, you know, so many times in bike racing, that was not what I was told either explicitly or implicitly. Like I did a whole seven day race with a stomach bug. And I got a couple of good results doing that, but it took me over a month to recover from doing that to my body. You know, like I had to go to the hospital and get an IV. I was so dehydrated after doing that. So like, I've just, I've learned and I'm no longer willing to torture myself to do a particular race. Like there's always going to be another race and it's not worth like driving myself into the ground. One, because no, like I'm doing this for fun. No one's paying me to do this. And two, you know, I need to be able to go to work and like be, you know, be there for my family and all of that. So, yeah. So I did not do the half marathon, which was fine. I'm going to do it this year. And I recovered, um, started building back up again. And then I was signed up for this really cool race that is right near where I live in May. It's called the Mark Twain race. Mark Twain used to live in this town, Redding, Connecticut. Um, His property is actually up for sale if anyone is interested. It's this like wild looking property on the side of this super steep hill. I think it's for sale for like a few million dollars, but yeah, it's nuts. Um, 
But this race is really hilly. Uh, it starts in a grass field and goes on a few trails and a dirt road. So it kind of had like a little bit of everything. And it was around the time I was testing the um, New Balance Super Comp Pacer and the Nike Streak Fly. And I really loved both of those shoes. But I didn't think either of them would do very well on the like off-road parts of the course. Um, particularly the pacer because like the outsole is so soft, even just running on the roads. I remember I got a few rocks like embedded in the outsole and like I would have to stop during my workouts and get the rock out because you could feel it through the shoe. Um, so I actually decided to use the Vaporfly for this race because actually because David, you know, our doctors of running uh, colleague here, he uses his Vaporflies for everything. Like he uses them on trails. Like, I think he has a photo of his Vaporflies like completely covered in mud. So I was like, all right, David uses his Vaporflies for trail running. So my Vaporflies will be good for this race that has like, you know, maybe a mile and a half of trail and dirt road. And I think one of the special things about this race is it's so close to where I live. I've ridden my bike on those roads, you know, hundreds, if not a thousand times. So like, I know every inch of the course, like the weekend before I went out and did like my long run on the course, just to remind myself and like, there were, there's a lot of hills on this course. And as I did like an easy long run on the course, I made sure to check like, okay, what's my like landmark to know that I'm near the top of this hill? What's my landmark for like a half mile to go, whatever, because that helps me. And I'm sure it helps a lot of people just like chunk the course, plan their efforts, get through the hard parts. Um, so I did that race again, like you talked about with the Princeton half marathon, because it's so hilly, you can't have a pace goal. It's going to be all over the place. So I really just focused on, all right, what's my effort? This effort is going to feel like a little bit harder than threshold because it's a seven mile race. And like the whole race, I'm just thinking, okay, am I over? And am I under? Am I right there? And that's kind of how I would ride time trials in cycling races. Like, you had to be like so careful not to cross that line into like over threshold because that's where you're going to start crashing and burning. And I feel like I did a pretty good job of that. Um, again, this was not like a huge race. So I ended up actually leading the race, most of the race, like men and women. And I knew that there was this teenager somewhere behind me but I hadn't heard him behind me for probably like the last, I don't know, two miles. And the race finished like in the same grassy field. So as I came around the corner for maybe like the last hundred meters, this kid sprinted past me and I lost <laughs> the overall race lead by like two seconds. Um, no, that's so but- <laughs> You know, if I'm going to lose to someone, I think getting beat by, like, a teenage boy is okay. Probably made, it made his year. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'll always remember that. Yeah, definitely. But, like, that race was a good confirmation for me again. Like, 
okay, I've learned how to listen to my body again. I don't need to like be dependent on my watch. I got over this cold and like got back to training. I'm feeling good. Um, so I kind of like did one race a month for most of last year. So in June, I did a 5k, same thing. Like, like all of the races I did last year were hilly, which it's hard to find a flat race around here just because Connecticut's so hilly. And this 5k was a, I had done the same race last year and it starts out the first mile is like completely downhill. The second mile is pretty flat. And then the third mile, of course, is all uphill. And maybe like the last less than half mile, you finish slightly downhill again. So the first year I did it, like I I just paced it wrong, you know, because you think you don't want to go out too fast in a 5k, right? But because it's all downhill, you actually have to be like significantly faster in that mile than like what your goal average pace is, right? So I kind of looked at, you know, Strava is such a nice tool for like reconning a race that you're going to do because you can look at what other people have done. Like, oh, this guy won last year and here's how he paced it. So I looked at a bunch of like the top runners and it's like, okay, the top people, their first mile was like 20 seconds per mile faster than their average pace. I was like, that's what I'm going to do, you know, and like, you have to have like a lot of confidence to do that, right? Because you're going to die if it doesn't work out, especially in a 5k. In a 5k, 20 seconds faster. That seems so scary. (laughs) (laughs) But that's, you know, I was like, I'm going to do it. You know, if it doesn't work out, then, you know, lesson learned, it's just a local race. So like I was basically trying to average like six minute pace for this race. So I went out and, you know, got on the downhill part, went through mile one. Like, I think it was right on 540. I'm like, oh gosh, here we go, (laughs) you know. And, you know, second mile, it's like, just stick with effort. You know, you know what your goal pace is, but just stick with your effort. Second mile, right at six minute. It's like, all right, (laughs) moment of truth. Third mile, what can you do on this hill? And, you know, at that point, you're dying, right? It's the third mile of a 5K. So I just pushed, and and I think the third mile was, like, 618 or something. So, like, I paced it exactly how I had planned, and I ended up winning. Again, it was, like, a small race. So, um, But I was so happy with just, like, I had a plan. I executed it. It sounded scary, especially, like, the going out so fast part, but the effort felt even, you know, as even as like a 5k effort can feel, but like that first mile didn't feel like I was going out so fast that I like blew myself up too early. So that definitely taught me a lot about like, okay, if I am doing a hilly race, how much faster am I going to be on the downhill versus the uphill? So that's different for everybody. Um, It depends on like your running style, like your specific strength. But I've always found that for whatever reason, this is since I was like younger, that I can run downhill really well, which I don't know why I just kind of let go and let gravity do the work. Um, So I know that I can run faster potentially downhill than like what, 
pacing would suggest. So I just have to plan races like that so I know to use my strength. Um, And that race took me into this uh, firecracker run that I have done for the past several years. Um, It's like in the town that I do all of my runs and I live right on the border of two towns and like it gets like a bigger field and you know ever since I started running again it's like oh it would be cool to win this race but like that's never gonna happen because really fast people show up but like again like training was going well like was feeling like fitter than ever I'd just gotten a pair of alpha flies um <laughs> so fun <laughs> alpha flies <laughs> The originals. Um, So, again, like, I've run on this course, like, a million times, right? Just in, like, my everyday run. So I literally know, like, every meter of the course. I know where the hill's going to start and end. I know, like, all the tangents, like, everything. So this course, it has, like, a little hill, like, up and down in the first mile. And then the second mile is actually the most climbing, the third mile's kind of downhill. The fourth mile has like a little climb in it. And then the fifth mile has that like same up and down just in the other direction. And then the finish is like slightly downhill. So like I knew again, like, okay, the first mile is going to be about on pace. The second mile needs to be slower because it's uphill. The third mile is going to be a little faster because it's net downhill. And then the fourth and fifth miles, you've just got to, you know, use what you've got left to finish. So, you know, this fast woman showed up and I was like, okay, like she, I think she'd gotten second in that race I did earlier in the year. It's like, all right, I'm not going to try to stay with her because that would be dumb. So gun goes off. I go out at my pace and we're like right next to each other. I'm like, all right, so we go over the first hill and come back down. It's a little faster, like 10 seconds faster than I had planned. I'm like, okay, you know, be smart, don't be dumb. So she was definitely pushing it. So I was like, not going to do this. I'm going to run my race. I'm going to let her go. So I backed off a little bit and just ran like my effort on this like second hilly mile. Um And, you know, I could see her, but she wasn't really putting any more time on me. She had mostly put time on me on, like, the flatter section leading up to the hill. And then I caught her by the end of the third mile. Because, again, like, I was just running based on feel, and I could definitely tell that she had, like, really pushed that hill. Um, But then maybe had pushed a little too hard. So I caught her and I passed her. I was like, you can't look back, you can't think, you just have to run. And, like, you know when you're in a race and you're like, if this is going to go well, I have to completely shut my brain off so that, like, I do not pay attention to the pain that I'm going to experience in a minute. That is what I... The more you think, the worse it is. Exactly, yeah. I was like, you have to stop thinking, otherwise you're just going to die. So that's what I did. Um, I ended up beating her by like 30 seconds I think um big like PR for both the distance and I think I was three minutes faster than 2021 wow yeah in one year yeah but like that was that's huge that's the difference was like in 2021 I had come off of a marathon recovered 
And then my coach had me start speed work. Like I had done so little threshold between like May, you know, like May, June to the start of July. You you can't do a five mile race based on doing like 200s and 400s at like mile pace. That just doesn't work. Um, whereas the body's not ready for no, that. you have to have a it's base. Not going to know what what you're doing, right. what you're asking from it. So yeah, so obviously the my strategy in 2022 worked a whole lot better. Um, so after that, it was like, all right, it's time to kind of not shut down, but like I'm doing a marathon in December. I was signed up for the Kiowa marathon. It's like, I've been training for seven months. Uh, it's time to back off a little bit. So it was basically like less intensity. Um, but not like a lot less mileage, but like enough where like I definitely felt like I recovered. And then like kind of my first like checkpoint was a 10 mile race. I think it was Labor Day weekend. Yeah. Um, again, like super hilly, you know, just had a overall pace goal in mind. I knew like my mile splits were going to be all over the place because of how hilly this course was. But what was actually nice in this race was I actually had a group to run with. There were like maybe five guys I was running with the first half of the race. And it was interesting because I could tell that like one of them, he was using it as like a marathon pace run. Because no matter if we were on like a hill, uphill, downhill, flat, he was running the same pace. And it's like um, either he's like sandbagging or he's going to die or he's just, you know, using this as a workout. And this actually isn't that hard for him. And it did turn out to be the case that he was just like doing it as like a tempo, not a race. But like I was really trying to run by feel. So I would, you know, lose a little ground on these guys on the uphill. And then I'd immediately come back to them on the downhill because like I was trying not to like spike on every little hill. Um, and then like all, most of the climbing was in the second half of the race. So, you know, I let a few of those guys go and then I caught a couple of them towards the end. And again, like, you know, PR at that distance, like really happy with like the pace based on how hilly it was. Um, so just went into marathon training, feeling really confident um, feeling good, like all year, no injuries, like no little nagging things. Um, I have really good PT friends that I used to work with. If I ever, if I feel like, oh, you know, something's a little off, if I can't fix it myself, I just go see them. Like I really try to, I really try to like nip these things in the bud if like I feel a little nagging thing, like just go get a, treated, work on my mechanics a little so I don't let it turn into a bigger thing. Um, so I had a couple months, no races. I was supposed to do a 10 mile race at the beginning of November. Um, same thing. I got a cold the week before and it's like, there's no way I'm going to force myself to do a race sick, you know, five weeks out from a marathon. That just doesn't make sense. Like I've, done a lot of work. I'm fit, like just get healthy and get back to training. So I skipped that race and all of marathon training. 
I was testing out different shoes, trying to decide which ones to use. I was really going back and forth between the original Alpha Fly and the Endorphin Pro 3. I loved the Alpha Fly for that five mile race I did. And I was going to use it for the 10 mile race I did. But the pair that I had then during a workout, this part of the sole peeled off. And I had to stop and like peel the rest of it off because it was just like hanging there. So <laughs> I didn't have Alpha Flies for the 10 mile race. And it also kind of made me question like, do I want to take the risk of that happening in a marathon? And I mean, I don't know about if this ever happens to people, but like the AirPods also make me a little nervous with the Alpha Flies. Like, how fragile are they? Have you ever heard of anyone having issues? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I've heard of like um, a few people have said um, that they like the out or um, the outside part of the heel mm -hmm. peeled off. Yeah. And then also the week leading up to CIM for me, I had been breaking in my pair of Alpha Flies that I was going to race in. Um, and they started squeaking every step during, um, during the workout. Uh -huh. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is going to drive me crazy. And anyone that I'm running with, yeah. want to run with me. <laughs> so I had another pair, but, um, I, I, uh, asked somebody when, uh, at CIM, if they could take a look, um, and they looked like, um, it was somebody that like worked for, worked for Nike. I had them look at it and uh -huh. they showed like in the air bubble, it had like a little, like extra bubble inside of it. Uh -huh. And they were like, as soon as that contacts, you're getting the squeak. So they were like, we can like put something underneath anyway, but they ended up fixing it and it wasn't like squeaking, but yeah, the air, the air bubble, like if that started during yeah. the race, I lost my mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so annoying. Yeah. So that's why I didn't use the Alpha Fly. And I had used the Endorphin Pro 3 in the 10 mile race and just loved it. Like it was awesome. Um, so I decided I was going to race in that. And the pair I had run in all year had too many miles on it. I could def definitely feel like the responsiveness was going down. So maybe a month before the marathon, I ordered a new pair, which was these. Um, this is their Visipro colorway. And they came with different laces than all of the other Endorphin Pro 3s. They're these rope laces. And just a warning to anyone who buys this colorway, the rope laces are not as comfortable as normal laces, so I swapped them out. So just be aware if you love this color like I do, which is why I got them, you might not love the laces that come with them. So don't be afraid to swap them out. So anyway, I was really confident in the Endorphin Pro 3 going into the marathon because I had raced in them. I had done so many workouts in them, long runs, like no foot discomfort, no issues in the rain, like just really confident that they would be comfortable. And I get to Kiowa um, and I was staying with family on the island and they're like, guess what? They repaved all of the roads ahead of the race and it was fresh blacktop. I was like, that's awesome. Cause the roads there were getting a little like torn up. So it rained all night before the race. And when I got dropped off to the starting line, just walking towards the start area, 
my feet were slipping. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> like what is going on? But you know how like fresh blacktop can be really oily when it's wet? I think that's what the problem was. So, you know, the race started, I had my race plan, like not going out too fast, like staying on pace, staying focused. And I felt amazing. Like I was right on pace. My heart rate was like a little bit lower than I had expected. Like I was barely breathing hard. I felt so good. And I was like, all right, just stay calm. Like it's early. Don't get excited. And by like mile 13, like I definitely felt my hamstrings and my calves starting to tighten up. I was like, all right, it's fine. You know, you're halfway, you're going to get feel tired. But then like each mile, it's just like slowing down. And like, you know, that feeling where like, you're not trying to slow down, but your body is just slowing you down. And it got to the point where like my legs just felt like, you know, like cement. So I was like, all right, you're going to walk for 30 seconds. So I did. And like walking felt worse than running because of like how tight my calves had gotten. So like I went back and forth like this for a few miles and it was like, this is just not worth it. Like if walking makes me feel worse, like I'm going to have to like jog walk the next like eight miles. And what is that going to do to my body and how long is it going to take me to recover from it? I knew that I could make myself do that, but like, why? You know, like, I didn't need to prove to myself that I could finish a marathon because I know I can. Like, I didn't need to prove to my family that I could do it because they know I can. It's like, why would I torture myself for another, like, over an hour just to say that I did it? And, like, I really, really hate dropping out of races. Like I've dropped out of some cycling races because of injuries or, you know, just not feeling well. And every time it's like, it's so disappointing that that happened, you know? And it's like after like probably the like fifth or sixth time I walked and my calves felt worse, I was like, no, like I'm not doing this to my body. Like I just have to stop and be okay with it. So and yeah. at that point, I feel like the way that you like what you just said, like the way you felt at the start, you knew that like the taper, the training, like everything was perfect and was working. Because yeah. that's how you should feel like, right. at the start. And then if you like if you had say you had pushed through that, you don't know how long you would have had to take off. Exactly. And then you lose some of that fitness. Like now it's it's all still there. You right. don't lose those months of training. Yeah, I didn't have to take like two weeks off of running afterwards because I had destroyed my legs. You know, like I took four days off of running and then started doing like some really short, easy runs again. You know, like it definitely kept me from getting injured for sure, but it also kept me from needing to take like extended time off because of what I did, not only to my body, but like what it does to you mentally to like make yourself do something like that, it can be worth it depending on the situation, right? Like there are some races where it is worth it, like basically mentally torture yourself. And I've definitely done that in many bike races, but it just didn't, it wasn't worth it to do that to myself in this race. So I, I just made the decision to stop and I'm glad that I did. Like 
what would I, I didn't have to prove anything, right? Like it was just, it was time to pull the plug and start over. So that's what I did. Um, I think that's, that's probably one of like the toughest decisions as a runner to make, but the, like, what is it? The hardest decision is sometimes like the right decision. Right. Yeah. Like now you can, like your eyes can be ahead to the next thing. You don't have to deal with like coming back from that. It was just like, like you could probably look at it as like a really intense long run. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was still a good workout, right. Until like my legs shut down. So, you know, I think it was definitely a combination of like my feet slipping a little bit and that just changing like how I was using my muscles. And, you know, maybe I just had a bad day too. Like everyone can feel good the first half of a marathon. It's the second half that counts. So I'm definitely not like wholly blaming like my shoes for my batteries, right? Like it's certainly possible to just have a bad day. Um, but yeah, I'm, I am still glad that I made the decision that I did because I don't think it would have been good physically or mentally to push through all of that. Um, and having a bad race like that definitely gives you fire for your next race. And it has convinced me that it is worth it to train for a, you know, spring slash summer marathon. So uh, my friend and I decided to sign up for grandma's in June. Um, yeah. I'm signed up for that one. Yeah. It'll <laughs> be fun. It will be fun. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you know what I would say that I learned from last year, like it's almost all of the year was good and then ended by like a bad race, but like, I'm 39. I'm going to be 40 in a couple months. Like, I had my best year as a runner last year. And, like, I have no doubt that I can still improve. So having that knowledge definitely gives me a lot of motivation. And, like, I love seeing all of the women who are, like, even older than me who are still running, like, their fastest times. Like, I read an article about a woman in New York City who's, like, in her late 40s running her fastest marathons ever. You know, like it's never it's never too late to like find something to improve at, you know. Um so I'm like super motivated to see just what I can do this year and next year and 5 years from now, you know. I also learned like, even though I was pretty much injury-free last year, it definitely taught me that, like, I need to pay more attention to my weak points. And for me, probably my weakest point is my left ankle, which I had a really bad sprain on a few years ago. So, and I've always been good about doing, like, strength work and balance work. But I was like, you know what? It's not enough because I still have this issue of, like, landing too far laterally on that foot. And sometimes it causes some discomfort around my fifth MTP. So I was like, what else can you do to help it? So I decided to finally, after my friend telling me how great hers is for six months, get a MOBO board. Do you use one of those? Yeah, Yeah. they're fantastic. I used to have one um, when I was working at the running clinic in New York. They're great. They actually move on like the plane of your ankle joint. Exactly. I was actually looking like last week to try to buy another yeah, one. Yeah. And they're not that expensive. I think they're like $80. Like you compare that to like a BOSU or like other balance tools. It's really a good deal. But like for me. You can do so much with them too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You can do so many exercises on them. 
But for people who don't know, the MOBO board has like a cutout for your small toes. So it really teaches you when you're standing on one leg to drive with your big toe and to load that part of your foot. And that's exactly what I have had trouble with since I, well, probably before I sprained my ankle, which is why I sprained it. But I just haven't done a good job of like really loading my first MTP joint. And I swear after two weeks of using this thing, my foot feels totally different when I run. I see the difference in like the running dynamics data I get from my uh, heart rate monitor and just in how I feel. So like it's easy to think that like you're doing everything you can to, you know, keep yourself healthy and improve your running. But sometimes there's more that you could do, or maybe there's something that would be better that you can do that can help you improve or help you be a better runner. Um, I think the other big lesson that I learned from last year is, you know, I'm really grateful to the coach that I had in 21 because she gave me the confidence to like run a marathon, which I hadn't done since I was in college. But, you know, I started seeing that like, you know, her method just wasn't working for me. I talked to her about it and, but you know, everybody kind of has their way of doing things. And some coaches are better at like adapting to each individual runner's needs than others. And, you know, when I saw that it just wasn't working, maybe I should have switched coaches or approaches sooner, but at least I did it. And, you know, I've seen much better results this year than the year previous. Um, So I would really encourage anyone who feels like maybe their training just doesn't align with like their body's way of improving, talk to your coach. And, you know, if it's still not working, maybe it's time for a change. It's okay to change approaches. What worked for you five years ago, maybe won't, doesn't work for you now that you're a different runner. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And similar for me, I am very grateful to like, the coach that I had from, I think I started with them 2019 up to 2021, but they like reintroduced me to running and showed me that like, like in my eyes, like as soon as I was done with college, I was like, okay, well that's it for the track events. <laughs> so yeah, but he reopened my eyes to like, oh no, you can keep working and you can keep going um, like towards the PRs and, and more. Um, but like you had said, I mean, that's, three, four years, that's a big three, four years. And my body changed and it wasn't working for me anymore. So being able to, like what you said, reevaluate and see what's best for you, for your body, for your training, and then following that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's key. Like if every runner listened to that, I think people would be in a better place for sure. Um, so what's coming up for 23, Megan? Well, let's see. So I had signed up for um, Jersey City Marathon, and I don't think I'm going to be doing that because, um, like I had said in CIM, my that hip pain started coming back. So I've been taking some time off, making sure I actually get back into training without being rushed into it, like like I did for CIM, which worked out. Mm-hmm. But I don't really want to do that again. Right. <laughs> so I'm probably not going to do that. But um. I have that in my back pocket if it does work out. And then I have grandma's in June. 
And then in the fall, I'm trying to decide between either Chicago or CIM again. But I, I don't know. I love CIM. I'm like, I know the course. It's just a great race. Yeah. So I'm probably like probably going to go with CIM, but nice. <laughs> we'll see. And then a few scattered in between there just to, again, get back into racing. And because now it's been a few months already. But what about you? Um, grandma's and then like just a few races between now and then to build into it like a 10k a half and then grandma's and then I'll have to figure out what I want to do I'm not sure I'm a two marathon a year person um so maybe focusing in the fall on like a fast half or something um but right now I definitely have a lot of drive to uh have a good race in June yeah. yeah, actually something that just reminded me something um, that I had been thinking of is with all this biking and I was going to ask you yeah. separately, but like trying to find like an actual bike race and see like if that's something I could do. Oh, well, I'll have lots of suggestions <laughs> really for you on that. Yeah. I know you already sent me a few. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look out, more suggestions are coming. <laughs> yeah, send them over. <laughs> Will do. Well, this was so great, Megan, to just to recap our years and I hope that you, our listeners, um, learn some things from us. I think, you know, runners don't always talk about like in depth, their reflections on their year and like, we can learn so much from each other. So I hope that you guys learn some from our experiences the past year, as always, please leave us a comment on YouTube, send us an email. It's doctors of running at gmail.com. Um, there's anything you'd love Megan and I to cover in the future, let us know. We love to hear from your guys. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Megan.